I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are continuing our look at the films of Bruce Lee with Fist of Fury from 1972. And to to seal a phrase from friend of the show Alex Hawking, this movie rips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's, I, I did like Big Boss a lot, but I feel like this is like, when people think of a Bruce Lee movie... If they're think, obviously they're probably thinking of Enter the Dragon. But if they're not thinking of Enter the Dragon, this is like, this yeah, is like this that is core. kind of the bullseye. This is like, yeah, this is the first Bruce Lee classic, and I think in some ways for diehard fans of Hong Kong cinema, this this is the movie that kind of towers over all of them. Not that we have like a huge body to to draw from, but I think Fist of Fury feels like the most. Um, kind of consistent with Hong Kong cinema of the time. And it's kind of a miracle that you're able to slot this larger than life, legendary presence of Bruce into what feels like a very solid Hong Kong production of its day. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah, so we're talking about 1972 now. This is, um, you know, just about a year after the big boss and how, how, big (laughs) for lack of a better word that film was for bruce and for uh, hong kong cinema and uh they're kind of doing basically like uh i don't know evil dead evil dead 2 or like a you know you're you're taking the the stuff that really worked in the film like Shaun of the dead hot fuzz yeah and you're just kind of really focusing that and uh changing the material enough and kind of um really really giving the the audience what they want and um i think that yeah a couple of tweaks from uh the tar the, basically the target changes for this film the target of the revenge and to yeah. to where it's focused in this film and how it positions uh not just uh chen zen the character but bruce lee as a cultural figure uh just set it up for glory and uh yeah, it, it, I mean, Dude, well said. It's hard to <laughs> to like hold back our takes because I think we all really like this film too, and I, yeah. I think that yeah, Fist of Fury is amazing. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's really cool to to see how they took what was great from the Big Boss and injected it into here, and also to see Bruce Lee uh, as a persona on film. Uh, he really refines well himself and i think that like you guys were saying um i i guess the bruce lee isms really are solidified in this film um and we'll talk about that as we go through the movie but there's also a little bit of uh background that we could get into before we talk about the film and uh like i said so we're we're bruce lee made it big he finally achieved what he wanted to be a martial arts superstar and it all came so fast and i talked a little bit about his kind of international career and uh one of the things that he did was with the with the success of the big boss he he wanted to use that because he still had his eyes set on being a star in hollywood and he used the success of the big boss to kind of take himself back over to hollywood and kind of 
ignite these projects that he wanted to uh, make but have been continually getting roadblocked. But um, a couple of the things that happened was we, we talked about the Warrior uh, the the project that he was trying to get on television and um yeah he went back and tried to get that made and um unfortunately that never came to be and so that was kind of like a kind of a i don't know a, a reality check for him still wasn't quite there and also um there was uh the kung fu tv series where uh we talked about that how he was up for the lead role and ultimately they didn't decide to go with bruce lee and i believe it was because of his accent he they thought his accent was a bit too heavy and uh they went with david carradine so still understanding that oh man like i still can't really get what i want done in hollywood yeah he still has this deal with uh golden harvest golden harvest also being just like a fresh movie studio and the two film deal are with low way so here we are again and uh yeah i i'm i'm thankful <laughs> for this film it's it's so yeah. awesome yeah yeah super thankful and, and i think in the big boss you feel that golden harvest is this upstart independent um movie studio and um really cool finished film and awesome use of like shooting on location and everything. But by the time you get to fist of fury, I think we're already starting to feel kind of like the house style of golden harvest that we'll know and love through the seventies and eighties. Um, we're yeah. in very kind of familiar, like dojo sorts of locations and back lot. And there's just, um, there's a, there's a polish to the movie that's not quite there in, in the big boss. And, and also just this kind of, I don't know. I think this sense of like tempo that kind of separated golden harvest from, from Shaw brothers, you know, once we mm. kind of get going, going here in the seventies and um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a miracle that all, all the stars align that, that we get this movie. But I mean, uh, we've actually talked about it a lot because a lot of our movies have already kind of referenced um, Fist of Fury going yeah. backwards in time. King of Comedy. I mean, Stephen Chow was a huge Bruce Lee fan, but they're actually doing scenes yeah. um, <laughs> from the movie there. But going all the way back, we've also covered in detail the incredible remake Fist of Legend starring Jet Li. Um, and there's a lot of other films that kind of surround not only the lore of uh, Hua Yunja, um, but also just the lore of of this movie. So, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Um, yeah, super exciting to dig into it. I, I, yeah. And, of course, it's worth mentioning that we also did Fearless, which is about Huo Yan Ja. Yeah, and exactly. also starring Jet Li. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, all all, all connected. Dude, yeah, you gotta love, love Jet that. Li. It's like, oh, man, you were so good when you played the student of Huo Yan Ja. Yeah, I'm going to be him, too. Yeah. <laughs> now I'll just play him, too. Um, one of the things that we've also talked about a lot is basically, like, the cinematic like history of all of these like martial arts heroes yeah. of course we've talked about Wang Fei Hung a lot and Huo Yanja also a figure that's been covered quite a bit in film and I also feel like it's interesting how they in Fist of Fury they create this student of his Chen Zhen who basically kind of turns into another uh, martial hero and uh, we've seen a lot of different notable uh hong kong actors play chen zen over the years 
yeah, you said Jet Li. We've got Donnie Yen doing stuff. It's just yeah, yeah, and, and Bruce Lung that we saw in uh, Kung Fu Hustle. He played Chen Zhen in a TV series shortly after uh, this film came out. So um, yeah, it's it's all so, over wow, the place. He- he was aping Bruce Lee even before Bruce Lee actually died. Well, it was yeah. actually it was a, it was after Bruce died, but it was oh, just like shortly after, and you know this was the era of Bruce Blaytation, and yeah. um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I think it's such a cool idea that they were like, we're not gonna do Huo Yuanja, we're gonna actually create a character in his reflection that we can kind of play around with, and I I'm mm-hmm. I'm almost certain that that was all bruce lee's idea and the other thing that i wanted to say too is that bruce was a big fan of like japanese cinema and uh it really comes across in a lot of ways in this film and he actually and we'll get into it a little bit in the film itself but he actually traveled to tokyo and he visited uh shintaro katsu zatoichi himself and he actually asked him like hey i want to do a movie with you and he he couldn't he was contractually bound through his film company Daie. but what ended up happening is he lent out a couple of the actors and we see them in this film oh cool yeah dude such a great such a great story mm-hmm. also who we'll see in the film are some of well blinking you blinking you might miss them but really some of the leading lights of future golden harvest productions and some of the great stars of hong kong so we have some incredible stuntmen in the background of the movie um most infamously jackie chan himself yeah um mm-hmm. does a really uh kind of legendary double but supposedly uh Corey yuan's in there mm. um yuan wa yuan Biu, yuan mao it's really uh, Lam fun. Lam yeah. Ching Ying. So yeah. it's like, I think Mars is even in there. Oh, so really? Like, I didn't see Mars. Whoa. I, I found this on a list. I, I wasn't able to spot him either. Nice. But, um, but yeah, so it's like we've got this uh, kind of bench of Peking Opera, you know, boys really yeah. at this point in history um, that are all able to kind of help make um, Bruce and Loewe's vision kind of come to life. Cool. Well. I think we should. I think we're, we're we're kind of bursting at the seams to talk about the movie itself. So, <laughs> so let's dive into it. But first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. As the rain pours down, one man arrives too late to say goodbye. Chinzen, fueled by the fire of grief, questions the death of his master Huo Yanja. But his morning is cut short when a rival Japanese school issues a challenge, not just to the Jingwu school, but to all of China sick men of Asia. A battle erupts in Shanghai and Shenzhen will not stop until he's gotten his revenge. The next step from the unstoppable, unbeatable, unbelievable Bruce Lee. Fist of Fury. Now, I think I made a comment last time with Big Boss that that was like a movie movie and that it has like, you know, like characters, plot, setup, you know, structure in this. This movie's not as much of a movie movie. (laughs) Like it (laughs) is a lot of like just moving (laughs) from one action set piece to another. Um, And like, you know, there are characters in conflict, but there's not as much of like a through story. It's like the master dies. Bruce Lee finds out that he was poisoned, swears revenge, kills a bunch of people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's like the bunch of people are actually 
pretty clear from the beginning there's this yeah. rival Japanese school and that's that's kind of essentially Chen Chen Zen's enemy um throughout the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. We get these broad takes on heroes and villains, but honestly, it's the best way to deliver um what Bruce Lee wants to deliver on screen. These I'm um, the emotional content, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? And uh you see Bruce Lee emote in many different ways in this film. In the opening scene here, we have Chen Zhen arriving at his master's funeral. He's arriving late, and they're out in the the yard behind uh, Jing Wu, the, the martial arts school. And uh, very dramatically, he arrives at... Yeah. The, the they're burying his master and he he's clawing at his grave and he's yeah. um in the rain yeah, yeah it's it's manic and it's very striking also bruce lee shows up wearing traditionally the the, the color of mourning white and um seeing him standing amongst his uh martial arts brothers there it, it just looks so iconic yeah also i made a comment the band here sucks yeah they sure do (laughs) (laughs) like the music's not very good for this very solemn moment Yeah, these off notes. <laughs> but we're yeah. about to follow it up with like amazing yeah. music. So. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah, we yep. get the we get the title the title kind of track with like the you know, the flashing lights and stuff with like all the, the credits coming by. Yeah. And, just the fury. and the lyrics are all about what you do with your fists. Oh, it's so, so cool. I think it's one of my favorite Hong Kong or our martial arts movie themes ever. And it's been covered a couple of times. I think, what was that one I shared with you guys a while back? I think it's by uh, Kamasi Washington. Uh, and oh, yeah. It's like yeah. a 10-minute like jam, like a funk jam of this song. It's super oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and in some ways, the song is kind of the only flash we get of Bruce's kind of like American side. Mm. Um, there's no other Hong Kong film I can think of of this period that has this this kind of music um, in the title sequence like this. The other thing that's it, fun it to it feels know. very like Western. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. almost like a like a like at first I almost thought it was like maybe just a song they took from a spaghetti Western or mm-hmm. something for the sixties, like because they did that all the time in, in Hong Kong <laughs> right, movies. Right. So yeah, would be shocked. Um, one one of the things I like to note is that if you look at the images of Bruce at the beginning of the uh title crawl you'll notice that his hair is done a bit differently and those were like production photos that they did for the movie and i think he looks pretty cool i don't think it's the bruce lee that people picture but he looks cool in those photos and uh yeah so then following that 
uh, we see a familiar face in the big boss. We saw her just for a second, but we get Nora Meow. She's she plays a uh, substantial supporting role in this film as one of the other members of Jimu and at surprisingly an on-screen romance with uh, Chen Zen with Bruce Lee here. Yeah, I think she's she's probably one of the most well-remembered um, female stars in all of uh, Bruce's movies. But, yeah, yeah. Camera absolutely loves her, and she she comes back in the kind of um, somewhat cheap uh, cash grab of uh, Loway's new Fist of Fury oh, with yeah. with Jackie Chan, kind mm. of trying to rekindle that same that same spark, but. But yeah, so what I was saying before about the big boss to Fist of Fury, you're going to see a lot of the same cast members in different roles. So um, as you see the different members of Jim Wu show up, you see James Tian and Lee Kwan, who um, both um, both met similar fates in Big Boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, um, like you mentioned, we also have have this great stable of Japanese actors. Um, and yeah, I, I think a big part of the success of the movie is it's like, it's really mining, not always in a super subtle way, but kind of this <laughs> Chinese Japanese conflict. Mm -hmm, yeah. And um, there's some kind of legend that apparently chairman Mao was like one of the only I like Hong Kong movies that he watched and that he like watched a gajillion times. Yeah. That's, really? that I found, something yeah, there's like a, there's found an article uh, from a website called China daily.com that had a whole, this whole article about how, Whoa. yeah, how like Mao was basically had watched a bunch of movies and wanted to watch some new ones and had like, like people said, like maybe look into some of the stuff coming out of Hong Kong and, you know, he was a little apprehensive because, like, you know, right. obviously there's a lot of weird stuff there. But the movie that the person showed him was Fist of Fury. And and apparently he loved it and thought that Bruce Lee was, like, a hero <laughs> and whatever. Which, I mean, this is a very nationalistic kind of Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Like, anti-Japanese. Very anti-Japanese. Yeah. Um, that's... Uh, the thing that, that struck out to me the most when I read that, though, was that Mao Zedong was alive... <laughs> the same time as yeah. as this. I know that's one of those things that doesn't compute like, <laughs> which that's that was actually um one of like the more famous one of those is that uh Picasso uh Picasso was still alive whenever this movie came out yeah <laughs> Picasso died oh, in 1973 he actually died um just like a couple months before Bruce Lee did actually wow dude um, insane and it's just so weird like you feel like these things are you know separated by you know centuries but they they overlap and stuff yeah in, yeah, in a it's, similar it's, it's insane to think that pablo picasso and mao zedong could have both watched a <laughs> bruce lee movie <laughs> this is a, yeah, a an interesting tangent but i i just was on a, a trip and um we were we took a road trip and we were driving through kentucky and i was looking up like kind of interesting things to check out and uh, one of the things that I found was that there's a cemetery just outside of or in Louisville that it's it has the graves of Muhammad Ali, uh, Colonel Sanders and the kindergarten teacher that invented the happy birthday song. Oh, <laughs> dude! Wow. All three of those Insane. people are in the same cemetery. 
Yeah. Weird. It was so strange. And, we, and I went. So you're to, saying the Illuminati is real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went to visit Confirmed. it and it was like a beautiful cemetery. And it was also like really powerful thinking about that. I mean, even if you're just thinking about it when it comes to pop culture. And I mean, we were talking about Bruce Lee. So I'll segue back to Bruce Lee. But like the power of pop culture, <laughs> you know, between those three yeah. people is like astounding. And I, I mean, Bruce Lee in a similar way, Matthew, like. This film's from the 70s, and, you know, there's all these memes nowadays about, oh, uh, the Super Nintendo came out from the same distance between whatever, like the PS3 yeah, yeah. and the PS5 or something. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, that's the same thing where 1972, Bruce Lee, you know, it's like not that far off, but also far off, and when you think of icons like this, they kind of transcend time, and, uh, I mean... Here we're seeing Bruce Lee kind of resonate culturally with with a nation. So yeah, the the focus of the enemies in this film are the Japanese. And actually, in 1972, what I was looking up, I just wanted to see like what else was going on around that time. And um, do you guys know about the Senkaku Islands, like the Daoyu Islands? There are these islands mm, off of mainland so. China that have been under a I, I they're under Japanese rule right now but they've been under some dispute between like uh China, Hong Kong, uh, China, Taiwan and um and Japan. Actually Matthew Pauly mentions it. I'm name checking that book again, but he mentions it in the book. And I think right around this time 1972 it was officially handed over to japan so like um there was this kind of cultural identity crisis in in hong kong and china and um to to have the japanese as the enemy in this film was kind of a you know like kismet kind of situation where it's like they were ready to 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 see these people as the enemy so it worked so well um, one of the things, I mean, we're, we we got to get back in the movie, right? But one of the things <laughs> that's pretty uh, surreal is in the scene after uh, he talks to Nora Miao, he's talking with his other um, uh, Jingwu members and they're, you know, he's questioning them about his master's death. And it's almost surreal when you're watching this film, knowing what happened with Bruce and knowing how fans feel about what happened to him. And him asking these pointed questions, yeah. like, can you believe that he Dude. was in perfect health? There's no way that he would have died. And just seeing all of that on film is kind of crazy <laughs> looking. Yeah, it almost back. creates this kind of strange cosmic like loop or something yeah. where it's like Bruce's death brings you right back to Fist of Fury. And then <laughs> it's crazy into watching his films. Yeah, yeah. God, that's insane. Yeah, this this moves us into like a. Uh, memorial service and this is when we get to see the japanese and yeah they really chew up the scenery here <laughs> you've got uh yeah big time two- yeah this is the the famous whenever the there's like the the two kind of toughs that are with this this uh interpreter who i think is he's kind of like the the like a traitor kind of character because he's chinese but he works with for the japanese right. and uh, they're carrying in a a sign. Whenever they unwrap it, it says uh, "Sick Man of Asia." Sick Man of Asia, which is I didn't realize. Just like I remember hearing the term like in history class, but yeah. it's actually kind of fascinating the the history between behind that term. 
because right. it actually genuinely didn't start off as like a racist thing. It was just it was it was people it started off with the phrase sick man of Europe, which was talking about like a bunch of it, it talked about like 15 different countries throughout the 1800s, mm. like talk about like the Ottoman Empire, then talk about France and then Italy. And it was like a million different things. Um, but whenever there was a lot of upheaval in China, then it was saying that China, like like the country China, was the sick man in in Asia, um, because yeah. it was and it like, really kind of referred to more sort of like downtrodden, yeah, like their economic status even more, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a it's like a definition of sick that we don't really we haven't hung on to. So yeah, it's. It's a little weird, um, I think, if you're encountering it for the first time. But in some ways, it it might it might actually be good for for Fist of Fury if you're not encountering it because it feels a little more like savage and brutal uh, without the historical context. Yeah. I feel like right, and they're also pulling from the history of Huanjia, and it's it's a thing where you know people make up these stories and you know over time it's like a game of telephone kind of who knows what the reality of it is but the legend is that uh there was a uh a foreigner that showed up and basically called uh Huo Yanjia and uh, Chinese men the sick men of Asia and according to uh the stories Huo Yanjia stood up to this man and fought him and won back the honor of the Chinese there's uh I kind of I, there's a, a another take where it says there was a Russian wrestler who basically said that, but then Huo Yuanzhua he called him on it, and the the Russian basically backed down like, whoa, whoa, dude, I was just kind of trying to stir stuff up. I'm sorry. Um, so there, this is another one of these things where we don't know what's the reality yeah, of it, yeah. but but how it serves the film is is what matters to what we're talking about right now. And uh, again, I gotta say. Having Bruce Lee dressed in white, looking so smooth. <laughs> oh yeah, he's oh man, fly. He looks suits. so cool. Like, so yeah, the the interpreter yeah. And comes especially because he's the only one dressed in white. Yeah, this, like sea. Yeah, of, it makes like, it black. makes it pop yeah. out. Incredibly totally. iconic. And there's a couple. There's a shot like an overhead shot, and he just stands out. And uh, yeah, once they open, you know what they see is this sign. Then uh, uh, it, the interpreter Wu he basically calls everybody out hey if you want to challenge us challenge us but they're also at a a memorial service and actually they walk in right at the moment of silence which is super rude and um they're all holding they're gritting their teeth you know bruce doesn't have a pendant like he does in big boss but (laughs) he would be grabbing it right now (laughs) if they were and i i just love the 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 shot of uh waping out the the inspector smacking bruce's face and the the rage in his eyes is just unparalleled (laughs) it's so good we should also mention yeah the the japanese are played obviously now by Japanese in this scene. Peter Chan returns again, and we see uh, Max Lee, who we've seen in a lot of films, especially yeah. from this uh, this era. And then, like you said, um, uh, Wei Ping Ao or uh, Paul Wei, I think he's sometimes called. He's yeah, he's kind of delicious in this sort of scummy mm. um, interpreter role. Also, um, honestly, it's one of the things I'm most excited about with this episode is it's. This is one of the classic 
English dubs of yes. all Oh, so man, the dub be is so So many good. potentials for dropping stuff in, yeah. like, including the scene we're about to get to as one of the most famous lines, which is... So you want to see how good you are? Then you must be tired of living. Yeah, the oh, yeah. legendary. The yeah, we've got we've got a lot of those, though, in this movie. Yeah. But yeah, that's this this next scene is I, I love it. it doesn't waste any time. It's just the people leave and they're like, this is unacceptable. But what are we going to do? The master said not to fight people. And then the next scene, Bruce Lee just shows up at the dojo yeah. with the sign yeah. and is like, just basically challenges them and says, like, you know, take it back. And this becomes one of the, you know, one of the most iconic Bruce Lee fights in his whole career, I'd say. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I totally. agree. One of the things I noticed is when he's walking in the, the musical queue, I actually feel like in Kung Fu Hustle, they they kind of riff on this kind of cue at the beginning. That dun 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 mm, dun dun. I think you're right, Mr. Suzuki. Isn't he your chief? That's like uh, same kind of um, personality of a track in Kung Fu Hustle. But yeah, seeing him, Bruce looks totally serious. He's like, "All right, guys." <laughs> you wanted it you get it <laughs> and you got yeah, a whole yeah. school full of japanese it looks like they're you know, doing like judo they're tossing each other around you know i can see like obviously bruce lee was a huge influence on everyone and every form of cinema around the world but i can really see why anime and like animation was so inspired by him because he is in he does so many cool poses mm-hmm. in these yeah. scenes like him holding the sign over his shoulder, him like uh, later in the scene whenever he has the nunchucks and he's like has his like arm behind his back after he's hit everyone with the nunchucks. Yep. He's just kind of like stares at people like it's just so many good poses that Dude, I can see, totally. you know, a Japanese animator just like, you know, <laughs> looking at as as reference for their, you know, whatever they're they're making. It's the charisma that comes through. He oh yeah he's just yeah yeah jumping off of the screen with that energy and I think yeah this is what really captures him so uh, Max Lee is the first guy to try his his fists and he gets owned right away and then he kind of uh, Chen Zen makes his way to the center of this group and you get also one of these iconic shots like one of the most iconic Bruce shots for me that overhead shot of them all around him. And mm-hmm. him at the yeah. ready, it's just, yeah, it's crazy cool. And yeah, I think if you're looking for Hong Kong actors, this is a great one. Because yeah, uh, you see, uh, well, we've got Peter Chan, obviously. Billy Chan's back there. Uh, uh, Lam Ching Ying is amongst the Japanese. Yeah. Corey Yoon's amongst the Japanese also. And actually, it's kind of easier to notice them because they're not wearing white like the other students. But yeah, it's, it's uh, crazy fun. Bruce takes his shirt off. He lets it rip. You've got the, you know, triple kicks, the roundhouse kicks yeah. that just surround everyone. He he eventually, yeah, he busts out his nunchucks. And um, yeah, actually, I think I was trying to remember. I know I, I did a little bit of homework on nunchucks for an older episode. I can't remember which one it was, but it was like way back, I think. And nunchucks, yeah, they're um, more commonly known as an Okinawan uh, weapon. And uh, Bruce, uh, there's a couple of stories about nunchucks, about how he encountered. One is that he was visiting the uh, Black Belt magazine offices and uh, he encountered nunchucks there and became interested. There's also a story about his uh, student, Dan Inosanto, who um, 
uh, introduced Bruce to nunchucks and actually Filipino style of nunchucks. They're called tabak toyok. I believe that that that's what they're called. And um, oh, wow. but it's it's really cool to think that I mean Bruce Lee uh, mixing cultures and mixing styles and bringing nunchucks that everybody thinks of Bruce Lee and and not necessarily of Chinese origin. There I, I did see some uh like some stories of relating it to Chinese culture too. But I think overall, everybody kind of acknowledges that they're more of a Japanese uh, thing. So right. it's, it's pretty great. And um, which also adds some poignancy to him using them on all the, the oh, Japanese students. Like yeah. This. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, I have to shout out to him spending the dummies. That's like, Dude, so yeah. awesome. Oh, the dummies are good. <laughs> Come on guys. <laughs> yep. There's a couple of good dummies in this. Cause I, I like this because sometimes Bruce just becomes like a superhero and then like he just gets yeah. super strength at a couple of points in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then it leads to the, the one-on-one fight with a, with a, the big guy. Um, yeah. The head, the uh, he's played by uh, Fung Nai. Fung Nai. That's yep. what. Love his glasses. Mr. Magoo style. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and he's not necessarily the most like a uh, svelte uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's a big guy. Just, yeah, it's kind of a cool follow up. And then I like after um, Bruce has humiliated him um, when he makes. Uh, he <laughs> yeah, he makes the eat two eat guys eat, yeah. literally eat the words. This time you're eating paper. The next time it's gonna be glass. Yeah, <laughs> classic. So the the next the next kind of main thing I wanted to talk about. Is it's just so funny because it's a scene where Bruce wants to go to the Japanese consulate and like talk about what's going on, oh, but there's a sign that says "No dogs and Chinese allowed," and you know it's like, oh man, racism, you know, being you know discriminated against or whatever. But the person that points it out is a, a yeah, Chinese like a man dude. dressed up as a Sikh yeah. and I love that you can tell he's doing an accent even in the Cantonese version <laughs> and, and of course in the dub the guy's doing like an Indian sounding kind of voice and he's in brown face and stuff yeah. it's just so funny that the scene talking about you know racial discrimination <laughs> has a stereotype just sitting there it's yeah. only able to drive it home by like yeah doing it themselves and then uh yeah super insult to injuries and a, a lady walks by with her dog and he's like oh, i love uh, that uh, <laughs> but now we get really to see uh yunwa get owned hard <laughs> dude yeah yeah there's a group of japanese that walk up and uh yunwa is the focus point and uh bruce not holding back totally wrecks the dudes and it's some of the hardest punches <laughs> that you'll see mm-hmm. on camera and and thankfully it's you, you can tell it's a a stunt position camera where it's like yeah those were those punches were not connecting because <laughs> they yeah. look super yeah. hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just looks ferocious here yep. um and yeah, there's the the great slow-mo shot of him throwing this kicking the sign up and then and then kicking it into a bunch of pieces yeah so this is actually a a, a park in macau it's called hardin luis de camois and um i believe that the shot where he's kicking the sign that was filmed later not in that um there's yeah uh, there's a, you can kind of see an aerial uh or like a wire in the in 
or t- like telephone wire in the background yeah of that uh insert it's really funny too when uh when bruce jump kicks yunhua there's like uh chinese onlookers and you see there's an an extra in the background that's just super cheesing in the background. It's kind of distracting, but <laughs> oh, I dude, love it. Oh, dude, great catch. Yep. <laughs> also love Yunwa's hair. It's kind of like an alfalfa little rascal. Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I like that too. It's cool. Um, so then it brings us back to uh, the Jinwoo, and all of the students are training. And you, if you blink and miss it, you'll you'll miss Jackie. So Jackie shows up in one yeah. shot here, and uh, shortly after that, you see that the um the japanese show up and they're starting to retaliate for i mean i guess bruce's re- own retaliation and uh nor meow is really awesome in the secret I-, I love the whole establishing shot of uh, the jingwu school here um yeah super super effective and yeah i'm really into this whole whole brawl um we probably haven't praised low way a ton as a director and um yeah, I mean, I, he's not necessarily well remembered as a you know phenomenal filmmaker, but I've got to say I really do like the geography of this sequence and um, kind of how consistent he is with with kind of the two factions. Yeah, I think you know he's more infamous than famous, right? you know. But uh, I yeah, think that totally. even with these two films, when you see these, you're like. I mean, there was a special mix between uh, who was in front of the camera and who was behind the camera to really yeah. make this. And Lo Wei was part but actually, of that. Actually, as an as an actor, I'm really into Lo Wei. I think yeah, he's, um, and yeah, he'll he's great in his part. Yeah, he up. shows up soon, and I think that yeah, he's he's really good as the uh, inspector. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we've talked about before, I think, more of a Wang Jing situation was that. Um, they wouldn't so much as direct, but basically be on set and kind of focused on their own passions <laughs> right. that might be gambling or that might be, you know, like whatever. And uh, that kind of gave, you know, the path for some of these actors in front of the screen to really understand how to do cinema from behind the screen. And Bruce definitely took advantage of that with this film. Yeah, for sure. So we've got a big old brawl, and I, I think uh, it's mostly serious. There's a couple of moments of comedy, like Lee Kwan kind of biting a guy's arm and then kind of getting like knocked out like Looney Tunes. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. for the most part, everybody's getting uh, uh, beat up pretty badly. But once they make their point, they're all like, all right, let's get out of here. But it's uh, basically, hey, uh, you can't just do whatever you want. Uh, were the Japanese. This is uh, Shanghai. Actually, we should mention too, yeah, the Jinwoo, the building itself looks very Western. Um, and uh, yeah, this is like the early 1900s in Shanghai. But um, uh, James Tian's character, he's they're, they're starting to like damage the uh, altar for Huo Yanja and he grabs the picture yeah. and he's protecting it with his own body. Yeah. James Tian is so good in this movie. I mean, he's... I think he's really critical to whatever is working dramatically. There's one bit that's, I think, uh, it's definitely unintentional comedy, but whenever they're trying to to take down the sign, one of the guys grabs a vase and throws it, and it doesn't shatter. Yeah, it doesn't break. (laughs) It doesn't break at all. (laughs) And, like, it cuts away, and they play, like, a a sound effect of it shattering, which I just thought was really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Good stuff. 
But yeah, but they he he predicts the the picture and uh, then the the Japanese kind of just call it off and and leave. And then uh, yeah. Chen Zen shows up and they yeah he just sees, in time yeah he sees what's happened and they're basically talking him through like what you got to do and they're basically like uh, dude you you got to get out of here no uh, yeah. uh, he kind of this kind of puts him on a murderous path. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, it's funny. It's like at first you think it would like stay his hand because there's there's now this kind of this guilt angle of like, hey, there are consequences to your friends here at the school um if you kind of just go off all wild, but yeah, basically you're right. This this ends up kind of just encouraging him to kind of be more of a renegade. Yeah, you have a a short scene where uh, uh, Chen Zhen talks with Nora Miao's character. I think I don't think they mention her name in the I, movie. I don't think they ever say your name because it's supposed. Yeah, to be that's his... kind of a legendary um, yeah thing. So um, yeah, because it's supposed to be Chen Zhen's fiance, um, oh. which they say that, but they don't ever say what her name is. Did <laughs> Did your guys' funny. fiances have names? I it <laughs> wasn't until after we got married. Mine totally. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they have a little heart to heart, and it's it's kind of nice. But um, what matters more is that after this scene, uh, Chen Zhen kind of noticed there's kind of something fishy going on. He walks to the kitchen area and uh, realizes something weird's going on, and he overhears some guys talking like, "Oh yeah, like." I, I did it because they told me to do it, you know, but we, we can't get caught. And um, <laughs> basically finds out that uh, his master had been poisoned. It was it was yeah. a nefarious event that killed his master. And when he hops into the scene, it's it's hilarious. And this goes back to how me. they reveal uh, this goes Japanese back to me as a kid, like talking with my friends about stuff like <laughs> My cousin's like he knew he knew it because of the color of his, his nipples. His nipples. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, he knew he was Japanese because they have different colored nipples. So, <laughs> so, but the camera really points you to that. And if you don't but, know a lot culturally, that's what you're gonna think of. So basically, what it's showing is like the waistband is like a stylistic yeah. clothing choice of yeah. the Japanese. His his, his bro. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> but um, the the thing that would kind of it, lead it definitely to... looks like it's framed to make you think that the nipples are giving him away, right? Which... And he he the next thing he does is lift that. Hey, wait, wait, should we do one more take? No, no <laughs> yeah, take. yeah. Then literally the next thing he does is like he pulls them up over the nipples as yeah. if he's hiding, like he's being modest. <laughs> FYI, don't Google Japanese nipples; it won't get what you. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It won't get you in the right direction. Yeah. But the other man in this scene is Han Yin Che. So he, this is his only role in film, but he's also listed as the action director. Yeah. So this is also like an interesting thing where it's like, um, Bruce, I think this was kind of a formality to keep his name on as action director. But most of the time, I think if Bruce is on screen, He's directing the action, and I, I mean, yeah. it's pretty safe to say that. But um, so these two. Yeah, I mean, men... it's possible that Han Yin Che was responsible for a lot of the brawl that that preceded this, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, who knows? Um, so Chen Zhen proceeds to murder these two men, and actually, I uh, I love how they show like these kind of fatal blows where um he hits the the cook first and it's like this 
echoing punch where oh, he yeah. holds the fist out and actually there's kind of like yeah. a ringing noise that kind of totally. holds on the shot and i think the actor who's taking the hit too is really great it's like this he plays these kind of shock waves in his body yeah really well. mm-hmm. and then uh after that he uh he attacks uh feng the uh, hanin Che's character and it's it's kind of crazy he's he's uh, you know uh he's swept up with emotion but he could have got more information out of him if he didn't just pummel yeah, him. He didn't just immediately murder him. <laughs> but it's pretty cool also. So um, this would be the moment where you're like, okay, this is the hero of the film. And yeah, talk, talk to the police and hopefully we can get some type of resolution here. But that's not what happens in Fist of Fury. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I love that's the next morning, the, the, like the kind of new master, like the, you know, the, the new kind of head of the school look basically gets a note from from bruce that says hey i'm off to murder everyone in the japanese school and uh then we see that he he hung up the two the two men that he killed the night before on a lamppost outside of the school yeah <laughs> yeah taking a page from batman maybe when he was on i was literally thinking batman that <laughs> bruce lee is almost becoming like a murderous batman yeah. like He's like uh, almost a detective. He's like digging, like digging into what's happening behind the scenes. He, he, and later in the movie, like wears a bunch of like costumes. We're getting there. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. And yeah. And he's like working in the shadows and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's like a hobo Batman. That'd be a good. (laughs) What if come a a good. What if comic Batman wasn't a billionaire. I'd read that. So now Bruce, <laughs> Bruce is on the run. And here's another Carlos as a kid watching this movie. What the heck moment. So you see Bruce. Uh, <sighs> Chen Zen is at Huo Yanja's grave. This is where he's yeah. kind of staked out. And this scene. Staked he, out. He's he's eating a <laughs> creature. <laughs> and as a kid. I, 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 wrote, yeah. I wrote in my notes. The fuck is my dude eating? Yeah. And that's something I've always. <laughs> but actually, I think I've come to a resolution with this. And I, I talked to a couple of my friends and uh, they said, that's a rabbit. And if you look at the, the creature's okay. feet, you can it's kind very of. Lean. Yeah. You can kind of see that. Yeah. I see like the rabbit feet. Yeah. Yep. So, because obviously the first thing I thought of is—is is that like a really tiny dog? Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Who knows? But but now that you say that, that makes sense because rabbits are very lean. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that was definitely another thing that I talked about when I, we saw this. Movie. But it's like, like Lowe makes quite a meal. Uh, yeah, oh. Intended pun. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it's like why does it? I don't know. Why is he dwelling on it so much? Like. The camera really starts on it and then like tracks up to. Anyways, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. It's crazy. So, uh, but now we get a very notable scene with uh, Bruce and Nora where um, they're basically talking things out, and it actually leads to a romantic moment. Yeah, not the most romantic is... moment, but I think it's yeah, it's kind I... of. I will say that's one because uh, I watched this dubbed and and candies with subs, and I love that the subtitle in the dub he says like you mean more to me than anyone in the world, and in the dub in the subtitles it says that, like next to the teacher then you're the most important thing to me in the world. <laughs> yeah, nice. And 
And in the movie, she's like, oh, really? Oh, that's so sweet. Um, I do love how real they, quick. What's my name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, kiss me. Yeah, I I love how they use still still use kind of like the actiony like close ups on on the eyes and stuff for these romantic shots, which is great. Yeah, the kind of snap zooms yep. and stuff. Um, also, I like the um, yeah, just the the staging of this. It seems like it's like I don't know. It looks like it's like partial stage with just shrubbery, at least for some of these shots. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's location, but um, it kind of reminds me of like old movie musicals like Carousel or something. Yeah, I get that a lot, especially with like the like the city scenes and stuff. Um, I a lot of them, yeah, a lot of the shots yeah. in this seem like they're in a like a set. And uh, but I think it, it's really cool. Um, my other favorite moment in this is like the the pivotal moment where he finds out about the interpreter so he's holding nora and he says like do you know anybody named Boo?" and she says oh that's the in- the interpreter for the japanese and there's this amazing <sighs> reaction phase from, yeah. from bruce he's like what the <laughs> like it's like yeah. so yeah, good right. i need a gif of that matthew please oh yeah no please. i would definitely that's a very good one oh, that's man. yeah you know obviously we're you know i'm, I'm kind of trying with the with the gifts of this but there's so many things i've seen in these movies where i'm like if the internet existed even just like 20 years earlier or 10 years yeah. earlier then I feel like people would make memes of of these kung totally. fu movies. Yeah, like it would they be a, make... an entirely different meme culture. Like, yeah, 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 because there's so many like goofy ass reaction shots in in these movies, and this one in particular, there's a lot of great, yeah, uh, a lot of great shots. But that's that's a classic one. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's cool how hard they're trying to like build some sense of like mystery or whatever, but. Really, within the first five or six minutes, we meet everyone that's important. Mm-hmm. And um, we really, we thought that Interpreter was kind of scum from the beginning. Bruce thought so, too. So it's like, I, I actually, <laughs> I think that they're doing a good job of like making, like kind of making drama out of almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, that look clinches it. Oh, it's so good. Now we we didn't mention it earlier, but we we get to see the Japanese that are pulling the strings, and we get another scene of it after this scene. And um, the the head of the Japanese here, um, oh, yeah. he goes by Suzuki, and um, he Ricky Hashimoto. He's played by yeah a man named Ricky Hashimoto. You'll also see him listed as Chikara Hashimoto. So he was actually mm, yes. a baseball player in Japan, but um interesting kind of uh facts behind this is that uh the company that owned the baseball team was actually the president of Dae Films. Dae Films oh. um is the same company that we talked about a little bit when we um we're talking about Zatoichi and I think yeah. um the Yokai Daisenso our Yokai little block of films and uh so the president of Dae was like hey man you want to be in some movies <laughs> so um basically uh Ricky Hashimoto and t- started to do some acting and he was actually in a kaiju film called Daimajin he played the titular character which is like a basically a big kind of ancient like stone figure and um oh, wow. yeah so this was like uh in like the mid 60s 
And uh, he was one of the actors that Shintaro Katsu told Bruce Lee they could use for the film. So, um, oh, dude, nice. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, he's cool. got such a such a great and memorable look. It's, he's got a great yeah, jawline. Yeah, it's basically he has a intense jawline. Yep. He's got yeah, a, and the mustache yeah. goes further than your. It yeah, further goes further than you think yeah. is possible. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the other Daie actor is a Jun Katsumura who plays Suzuki's bodyguard, who shows up in the film as well. So there's a, a quick scene after this where the the Chinese inspector kind of comes in and, and is like, like you guys got to stop stirring up trouble, <laughs> like getting ridiculous yeah, totally. and this is low way in the uh the black hat yeah yep. gotcha that makes sense um i i love it's in a few of these movies where it's like they're wearing a traditional chinese like outfit but then they have a fedora on yeah it's like a, the, so it's, cool. it's a good look it's like a clash of time periods yeah yeah i think it's something that they used to do in the old um black and white Wong Fei Hong films. But yeah, we've, we've definitely seen that in some other movies like uh dreadnought. The inspector has the same kind of get up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's yeah. I mean, it, it may have very well been um, the style, but it's for us cinema shorthand for this dude's a cop. Basically. Yeah. They're, they're an inspector. They're, they're a police inspector. Yep. <laughs> we get some gratuity in the scene yep. beyond that. So we're also introduced to another character. So um, there is a character named Petrov, and he's uh, a Russian character played by a Westerner. And this is uh, played by Bob Baker, who was um, like uh, a student of Bruce Lee, but uh, in his kind of pool of martial artists that he liked to kind of bring. Yeah, he's like the Gene Wilder of... <laughs> Of his looks. No, he's he does look like he does look like a kung yeah. fu junk gene wilder that's funny um a bob baker kind of an infamous name recently in bruce lee's uh kind of i don't know what to say i guess in the investigations to bruce lee's uh final years and uh i mean i don't want to get into it too much but yeah recently there have been some letters some correspondence between them that have been uh, brought to the public eye and there's some new information about bruce lee that people didn't know about that's kind of controversial <laughs> but i mean we could get we could get into that later as we get in through going through these yeah. bruce lee films i mean yeah. you could i think maybe say a little more well but... i guess i what people people did know about bruce lee's kind of um habits outside of uh martial arts uh he 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 did like to like smoke weed and he was uh, an, an experimenter, but uh, with these letters, the, recently uh, I believe it was Bob Baker's daughter that auctioned off these letters that they had written back and forth, uh, you know, in in this era. And what people found out was that Bob Baker was basically like a drug supplier for Bruce. And oh um, wow, yeah, Bruce actually l- enjoyed a bit of cocaine more than a bit, it seems. And <laughs> that's kind of coloring the history that people thought they knew. And, of course, sure, people yeah. speculating on what could have killed Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. That I mean, a revelation like that changes the narrative quite a bit. And still people are kind of digging through. And this is all people, you know, fans and historians. And, I mean, it's interesting. I think it's interesting that even in this year, uh, 2022, new information is coming out from that and it could really but i mean 
it doesn't change. Well, it also makes you nostalgic for the good old days where you would like write your drug dealer. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Bruce Lee was a very prolific writer. He liked to write letters. He liked to take like daily notes. um, And that's actually become very important to people piecing together what his life was like. But um, we have uh, Bob Baker here as an introductory foreigner. And um, Mm -hmm. obviously he's here for more than just looks <laughs> yeah no that's that's as soon as i saw him i'm like okay well i mean he's well, obviously he's gonna do some crazy <laughs> kung fu stuff later in the video yeah. obviously they didn't just introduce the white guy for no reason um this is there's also... an amazing dub line here oh i i think right, go for it because i think we might be talking about the same thing oh yeah the whenever because the, there's this girl that does like this kind of strip tease and the um woo the interpreter is like getting super duper drunk <laughs> And, like, I can't even, like, quite emulate what he says, but he basically says, like, oh, man, we're having such a good time. But I'll just play the clip here because... That's awesome. Goodness me, what a time we're having. I've never seen anything like. Nothing ever like this. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking about later in the scene where he crawls out. He's like... Uh, You want me to crawl now? Yes, of course I will. I will crawl. That's a good one too. Yeah, <laughs> and that's actually a line that I shared with one of my coworkers uh, at my job. We always joke about that, and now finally I get to this moment on the show where we can bring that. Oh, up. perfect! Yeah, yeah awesome. I, I play that one too. <laughs> also, I like that in the original Cantonese, it's Bob Iger just using like his normal voice, and then in the dub, he has like this kind of Russian, you know. Yeah, so and I love that they always say he dubbed his lines. I think in both versions, it was Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee dubs Bob Baker's lines in the Mandarin version. Yeah, in the Mandarin version. Okay, because he speaks English in the Cantonese. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the I love this. It's just a British thing, but I love they always say he's from Russia. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, super hard on the R. Yes. This one. On the R that isn't at the last half of the word. (laughs) But this leads to our first like case of uh, Chenzen espionage. (laughs) Yeah. So the inspector. It's like the the hobo Batman, like you said, man. Yeah. This is where you really feel it. The drunk inspector is making his way home and he needs to catch a cab. And the cab driver is none other than Chen Zen. So, so he takes them. There's actually some like day for night, like exterior it's terrible shots. day for night. Yeah, it's like really weird. But <laughs> like at first, I was like, "Is this supposed to be like the sun's coming up?" Or oh no, it's just really bad day for night. <laughs> it's funny where it's comforting when you get back to the closed set, right? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm so yeah, glad we're yeah. back on this little set. Um, and then yeah, it's awesome how he reveals himself. He turns around as the mm-hmm. driver, and then he literally picks up the whole cab. <laughs> yeah and tosses it it's amazing yeah how do you guys how do you guys think this is done i mean there's a lot of shat like heavy shadow Mm -hmm. is it i'm sure there's a rig a a wire yeah it's gotta be something like that i'll bet in the first scene you see it it's probably a wire and then the other one i could see it just being like it's a lot lighter than it looks and there's just a dummy that he's able to throw when it's the shot that's behind bruce where you can see the inspector floating you can kind of see two two wires hanging off of the mm-hmm. back of the cab yeah it's good Ooh, good catch yeah um he gets a confession out of the interpreter um he says yeah they 
uh, Suzuki wanted me to poison uh, your master, so I gave the poison to Fang, and they did it. Please, please have mercy. And uh, Chen Zhen is just <laughs> merciless. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we see the next morning. Actually, a cool establishing shot of like sun over the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, these two ladies come upon another, you know, hanged body so yeah i i guess i should yeah, pre- pretty tough mo yeah <laughs> um, for chen Zen. it's like he does have a moment yeah. of mercy i i take that back you know he um i think it was him that like tries to hit him with a rock after yeah yeah he, he, he tries to around. like he tries to sneak like in you know grab something to hit him behind the head and he just you know the awesome turn around punches him and like holds the pose after punching him for for a few seconds uh yes yes correct thanks Oh, well, we got to yeah, talk right. about some more costumes. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that that for sure. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, that's true. The the next scene, the the inspector kind of goes to the the consulate and like talks to the the Japanese school and's trying to like figure out what's, you know, what's going on. And after they get out, uh they buy a paper from an old man that's so like papers. And it's very clearly Bruce Lee and like oh, an old man, man like goatee and Yeah. I would love to see like <laughs> the the and he's dyed his eyebrows <laughs> right. Too. I want really I want to see like the the Chen Zen learning how to costume <laughs> like sections of this film where it's like how can I his makeup to yeah it'd be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now the uh, the inspector's trying to you know he's basically trying to keep things smooth between everybody. The Japanese are like, if you don't handle it, we're gonna handle it. And then uh, he goes to Jim Wu and is like, look, you gotta tell me where Chen Zhen is, or else this is, you know this is gonna get really bad. But they don't they they don't know where he's hiding. So it's just really building up to <laughs> a bad situation. And uh, the fiance Normiao basically says like reveals that he goes to the grave at night so they're gonna try to like find him there if they can to try to figure out what's going on yeah she's like follow the rabbits <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah follow the trail of rabbit skeletons <laughs> but she tells james Chen she doesn't tell yeah she doesn't tell the inspector, inspector yeah so, yeah she's not she's on narc and we get the oh. the, the, the next costume change oh, for Bruce. And dude this is the best one it's <laughs> meme meme culture has captured this luckily oh cool um there are some great gifts out here this look Um, yeah i okay so i gotta say something though but like the first shot that they show of him he's literally up on a telephone pole and there's like exposed (laughs) wire and he just grabs the wire with his hand and snips it with the snippers i can't i I can't handle stuff like that that's like maintenance guy hell (laughs) yeah <laughs> like what are I mean, you I guess doing? it is telephone wires, not yeah. Like, I power guess cables, but, I, but still, I yeah. see something like that, and I'm like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, this is we'll make the a best. special cut of the movie. For you. <sighs> Thanks. <laughs> this is the best. His acting here, kind of like the meek, like Clark Kent kind of situation going on. Yeah, he turns into like like a. <laughs> Like Steve Urkel, almost. Yeah. dude. Like, yeah, totally. Like it's he like hunches I, over IT nerd or something. Yeah, yeah. He has these big old glasses and stuff. Um, ah, oh, it's really good. And again, it just shows that like Bruce Lee really did have like range and stuff too. Like he could do comedy really well in addition to the action and the. He's like, I can everything. do wig. I can do glasses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, also, um, what's so fun about this is it really feels like it just kind of breaks the period or like snaps it into it's like oh yeah this 
this feels like the 70s it does no the 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 scene but with the with the seat guard earlier that also like everyone walking around looks very 1970s for this to be the 1910s i didn't even Um, think of that you're totally right dude um but yeah but he goes in saying like he's gonna fix their phones or whatever um and we see petrov is doing like kind of classic strongman kind of stuff with people like hopping on him him throwing them around and stuff and I think I saw that uh, Yoon Byu is one of the people that he throws off of him in this scene. Yeah, I was looking for him. I couldn't see him. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to, to tell. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I believe With it. a lot of this stuff, it's like stories that basically like yeah. those folks have like shared mm-hmm. over the years. So yeah. yeah, he's doing lots of like, you know, bending metal rods around him and like, slamming nails into a board and stuff. And <laughs> I love all that stuff. It's so goofy. Yeah. But yeah, he's basically checking out the this this place. He's been here. He's only really been in this room when he's whooping everybody up. But he goes to the back and he he hears Suzuki talking about their plans. And very conveniently, they're talking about him. Hey, we got to get this guy. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like course. Metal Gear. And he's so damn handsome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, so he he gets his information. And a couple of this kind of setting up like the final, final scene, like a little bit of the the crew from the Huyanja school goes to the graveyard to try to find Chen, and he's not there. Um, And meanwhile, the most of the Japanese school is going over to kill the rest of the the, the rival school. Um, But Bruce Lee is right around the corner. And this is the other probably best uh, fight scene in the movie. Um, Dude, totally. Where he he comes in and he does the whole like I'm I'm just here to kill the master. You like you guys can get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they don't. And man, like <laughs> I, I I literally I I wrote in my in my notes that like like Bruce Lee gets parodied and people like ape his style and you know everyone knows the whole like you know wata and you know yeah be like water yeah. all that stuff but like sometimes when you go back to stuff that kind of originated like a cultural touchstone it kind of loses some of the luster because you've seen it so many times mm. but like man it it does that is not true for this yeah like bruce lee is just incredible Dude, and has like incredible thing. charisma and he's fast and it's just he's just electric on the screen it's it it goes to like some of the stuff you were saying earlier posing and and showcasing that power and mm-hmm. really kind of like he he just is able to just make everything look so cool and it's it's something when you see it you're like oh yeah like this is how stuff always should have looked why didn't it you know um with the old wuxia stuff you get these high flying things and like you know almost magic and stuff like that but there's there's none of that you know in the big boss there were some high flying like big jumps and stuff in this movie all of the fighting is basically on the ground he does do a couple mm-hmm. of jump kicks and i mean notably at the end of the film but yeah. um all of the stuff that bruce lee is doing is stuff that really i mean any human being could do at the same time nobody could do it the way that he does it and uh, when he lands a kick or even when he's like kind of throwing some kicks towards his opponent, 
the the angle, the line, and the speed is unmatched. And I, I it's something that I mean, obviously, I'm I'm appreciating a lot more now. But damn, it's just like some of the coolest stuff ever. And uh, yeah, he he has a section here where he's fighting against the the you know the the mid boss the and he grabs a sword yeah. and it it is a bit more violent in this scene. You got a shot of Lam Ching Ying like getting punched in the face with blood coming yeah. out of his face. Mm-hmm. But um, this uh, scene with him fighting against this guy uh, and the way that it ends, that could be the end of a film, <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, yeah. with totally. the samurai yeah. sword flying up into the sky and landing straight down on his opponent. That would be yeah. in any other Hong Kong film. That would be the end of the movie. And I, I yeah, do, and you like you'd see him crumple over while the guy walks away. And yeah, and freeze frames, and the crowd would erupt in cheer you know yeah but that's that's no you're totally right not the end of this film and he's already stamped this movie with such an iconic like presence and uh no for sure it leads i mean it's yeah yeah, it it leads out into even more of this it's funny you said mid boss because again we've mentioned so many times in the show about how you can see influence on video games but this is literally like a a level in a game the, you like he you fight a bunch of people in the first level the mid boss comes in and you fight it you fight some more dudes in the next part of the level yeah. and then you fight another mid boss and then that leads to the final boss like yeah. it's it's literally the same structure when also in the mid boss it feels like there's like literal like rotoscope frames for fei long's stance yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah i would completely believe it's that like, yeah this is classic but no i love what you're saying carlos about like we can feel where the norm the normal like hong kong film momentum would go and bruce is so savvy to just kind of continue to push this sequence into kind of this um yeah i don't know this like non-stop chain of of sequences and and even if there maybe isn't a ton that's like paying off dramatically because there hasn't really been like much genuine mystery we do get to pay off all of these characters and um especially coming up we're about to have bruce against bob and this is probably in his like canon of films this is probably like his the first really like true iconic like one-on-one yeah um that was i asked in our group chat is this the first white guy heavy in a hong kong movie yeah. Because we've seen plenty of those in over the course of this podcast, and it's entirely possible this is like the at least the first prominent thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely in the like the latter half of the seventies, like the the white guy heavy is to- is totally modeled after this. So yeah, yeah. I'm I can't think of an example like before Fist of Fury, but regardless, like they they're all this kind of like man a few words from russia yeah yeah and um actually the his design um has been uh influential to fighting games in a way too um eagle the suspenders uh, uh, yeah the suspenders eagle from street fighter the first street fighter game not the street fighter game people remember but uh, there's a character (laughs) in that game named eagle that has a basically similar setup and they would they brought him back for uh capcom vs snk2 um, but I, I think that some of 
the DNA of uh, Bob Baker's Petrov character is in Eagle's design. I do, before we get into this fight, though, there's a short interaction between him and Jun Katsumura and a couple of the yeah, other members in the courtyard. And I think that it's, it's just one shot and it's far away, but it's amazing. It's so good. It's Bruce fighting yeah. these three men and, and, and it's a pretty, um, I don't know, it's a pretty modern looking choreography right there. And and I really love no, it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um. He Jun Katsumura's role isn't much longer, and he he gets a pretty devastating groin shot to take him out. But uh, then that leads yeah. us into our fight with uh, Petrov. So uh, Suzuki is ready to join the fight, but Petrov holds him off and says, "Hey, let me let me take care of it." Yeah. It's the he's the first health bar in the in the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, actually, that's another pretty iconic shot is uh, Bruce moving like his arms around. And there's like the there's a name for that. There's effect, after image. Like, yeah, it's an after. Yeah, image. after image. Yeah, mm-hmm. where like it's like you see this his arms like multiple times or whatever. That's that's iconic, too. Oh, yes. Totally iconic. And actually, um, I mean, to bring it back to fighting games again, not a Bruce Lee character at all. But in the Capcom, the Marvel games, Magneto <laughs> from the X-Men, his idol stance ah. is that Bruce Lee after image. His hands are waving and you've got the same after image. And I don't know the conscious decision behind it, but it looks amazing in the game. <laughs> and so, I mean, rightly yeah, so. It looks, it looks so really great. cool. Uh, not to dunk on new Fist of Fury again, but uh, <laughs> Jackie, <laughs> Jackie does that in that film and it looks horrible. <laughs> oh man it's funny yeah i think new fist of fury is like for completionists only (laughs) to me like i don't really like that movie i i i jokingly i i was gonna say like hey i could share my copy with you guys if you wanted to watch it but then i rewatch it and i was like actually don't rewatch it (laughs) (laughs) so he beats he beats petrov Oh, and... I want I want to talk about it a little more though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a yeah, lot of great it. stuff to to pull from this. Um, again, we get these kind of POV camera shots where um, both oh, right. Petrov and Bruce, uh, I mean Chenzen, are fighting t- directly towards the camera. And um, there's also a lot of like basically, if you took a screenshot of it, it would look like a fighting game screenshot. Where it's... yeah, I was literally I was literally gonna say that because there's like it's like the side on view yeah. and. And I I do admire that you can totally see the like the astro turf of the the courtyard. Yeah, I love that. It's really fun. Um, but uh, we it's kind of something that we'll see more so later on, where Bruce is trying to showcase like what a I guess adapting in a fight could be. But mm. um, you, this yeah. is kind of like a long drawn out fight, and, and Chen Zen takes some lumps too. Um, there's a really hilarious shot of him totally kicking Petrov in the face where it's like stage where like Bruce like rises on the right side of the camera and just has a blank look on his face and kicks Petrov. I love that. But also I um this is a story that came from Bob Baker himself. There's an interview where he's talking about when Bruce bites him. He couldn't, this was his first time in a film and he had no acting experience or anything, but um, 
he didn't really know how to, I guess, sell, you know, sell the attacks. So they were pretty right. much yeah. like, um, it wasn't like they were really, con- I mean, in some moments they were really contacting each other and uh, that helped Bob really sell the emotion of the fight. But when it came to the bite, he couldn't, uh, I guess, translate that to camera. So Bruce really bites him. <laughs> He like for, for real <laughs> yeah. bit his leg to get a, an emotional reaction out of Bob, which I think is a really fun story. Wow, crazy! Yeah, and, and you get a little bit of grappling here too. But yeah, so um, Petrov gets taken out, and now we've left up to the the final boss. Yeah, yeah, Suzuki. And I love, yeah, Suzuki comes at him with a sword, so it's he's he's facing off against a sword again. Um, and that's I, I love because Bruce grabs like this like stick of wood at first to fight him and like he's suzuki is chopping down the wood and like you can see it getting shorter and shorter that's that's a like that that's one of those copied and emulated throughout the years Mm -hmm. yeah totally um but then we get kind of the the more famous part of this which is the it's nunchucks versus uh, katana how cool is that guys like yeah completely classic yeah it's something that just man seeing every frame of bruce with these like it's just so cool i can't i can't yeah running out of words honest honestly if there had only been two films or hell if this was the only bruce lee film it's possible you you get pretty close to the legendary status that that he has now it's like so once we enter this, like Bruce going to the Japanese dojo, this kind of extended fight after fight sequence, this is really like everything about the legend is is here and so well depicted. Um, and that's not to take anything away from the subsequent um, films, but um, wow. I mean, yeah, it's just all here. Yeah. And then the, it, they, they get to a little bit of hand to hand, but... It gets it gets finished pretty fast with another flying kick, and this is the 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 famous Jackie Chan doubling, right? The Suzuki Correct. flying yeah, through yeah, the exactly. Suzuki flying through the 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 wall. Um, which it's so funny that you can almost tell it's Jackie Chan just by the way that he's moving because <laughs> like, his arm waving, like the ar- the arm waving. <laughs> nice, thing. I just, like that. It's oh, that's, that's, that's kind of so funny. Cute. I love it. <laughs> I'll allow um, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's <laughs> going funny. to allow this. But yeah, and that's and that's kind of Chen finishing his his uh, revenge. Yep. Um, but then uh, this honestly, this is kind of the only the only detriment to the movie is that now there's like there's like ten minutes left to the movie. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I I get what you're saying. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I get why they have all this, but it's it's a lot of like, oh, now we gotta we gotta f- fix, we gotta finish every other uh, plot point in this movie. Yeah, I think like on the charitable side, like it really it does separate it from its like neighboring Hong Kong movies or whatever. Yeah. Like like you were saying earlier, Matthew, like we don't freeze frame. Yeah, a couple of fights ago, um, and I do think the final the I mean absolutely the final like 20 seconds are completely classic oh yes definitely um, but yeah there's a little bit of a momentum thing although who knows i i have no idea what it would have felt like to seen to have seen this movie for the first time it's possible that like your heart is just racing if you haven't seen action like this Mm -hmm. before um so maybe i don't know maybe you You, almost you need need to kind of have a cool down down. Mm. 
Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. But yeah, because the, the people that went to check the grave come back and find that <laughs> everyone in the school has been killed. Yeah. Um, and the, the inspector's there, and uh, but Chin uh, sneaks back in, like sees all, all of the dead people, and kind of realizes the only way that this is going to get resolved is if he turns himself in. Um, and then he's like all ready to do it. He walks out the door and sees a bunch of guns pointed right at him. Um, and so he just does the only thing he can do, screams, runs towards the camera, and does a big flying jump and it freeze frames to two gunshots going off. Oh, but what yeah. what a cool way so to put close. your stamp oh, yeah. on as a as a hero, you know? Um And the most the most actually like dramatically poignant freeze frame mm-hmm. of probably all of the Hong Kong films we've mm-hmm. watched. It's like, um, I mean, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, it's similar kind of a approach to that ending, which is like, yeah, spoiler, Statue of Limitations has to be <laughs> but say, That movie is <laughs> yeah, about the same age as this movie, so yeah. I think you're fine. But like the idea of like heroically running into like certain death mm-hmm. and, um, and what it means to not actually depict that, but to have you like linger on on the concept is yeah it's awesome marty i'm sorry but you're wrong the most iconic freeze frame <laughs> is from spooky encounters no i was literally <laughs> just thinking about that I'm like <laughs> what did i say i don't know <laughs> oh man fist of fury guys hey I, I, what is y'all's take i actually also really like the the title Chinese connection. I know it's like, Oh yeah, we, we didn't really talk about that, but yeah, but yeah, I, I, I kind of, I often call the movie Chinese connection. Yeah. I think that's cool. Kind of and I mean, I guess for the sake of the listeners, we can mention that real quick. So yeah. So a little bit of a snafu. So fists of fury. Wait, big boss was originally going to be <laughs> called the Chinese Need a chart. Con- to- <laughs> yeah. Get all straight. Yeah, I, I'm just pulling from my head. I think so. You're not thinking fourth dimension. <laughs> yeah, Big Boss was originally going to be called the Chinese Connection, kind of riffing on the French Connection, and um, then this film was going to be called the Big Boss. Uh, I don't know. No, this is going to be Fist. Yeah, of Fury, I think this was always so. going to be Fist of Fury. Oh yeah, that's right. That was going to be the Chinese Connection, yep. and then. That one ended up being Fists of Fury. Yep. And this one ended up being Chinese Connection. And it was on accident. Yeah. I believe it was just that they got swapped by yeah. accident. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. But I, I like the version that we were watching, like, adds a little, like, AKA, yeah, AKA. Chinese Connection mm-hmm. yeah. in, the, in the title sequence. And, yeah, um, that's a real, yeah. like... Wow. You know, I've obviously, I'm, I, I had seen, I watched Fists of Fury back whenever we did Fists of Legend. Um, but I, you know, I didn't grow up with it or whatever. So in, uh, in my head, it's always just, it's always just been Fist of Fury. So nice. Yeah, no, total. I mean, yeah, just what a, what a classic. And, um, I don't know. I get a little bittersweet because, um, a, I mean, there are only, there are just so few Bruce Lee films, Mm -hmm. but B it's like from here on out. Um, Bruce has so much more control and we're really kind of going to leave behind the like apparatus of like the Hong Kong film business. Oh yeah. I see what you mean, Marty. Yeah. You're totally right. um, So there's something about just how all those elements come together in this movie. That's just so special. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I, my sense too is that this is kind of the most. This was the the f- like favorite film for Hong Kong audiences, like for many years af- afterwards. Um, yeah, it's like a, basically a snowball effect. I think the big boss made like I don't know three million, and I think Fist of Fury made almost double of that. It just kind of kept going, and it was almost like a joke yeah. where Bruce Lee they the reporters yeah, totally because then way of the dragons like even more, yeah, yeah they'd ask him and he'd be like i'm gonna make this much money and then it did you know it's 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 crazy so so yeah and this is all within a span of only a couple of years which is also so crazy to think about and we'll definitely be talking more about that in our next episodes but yeah that's just a fury it's it is it's excellent it's incredible it's such a good movie um, it's everything you want from a from a kung fu movie, from the you know incredible action set pieces to the kind of weird nationalistic message and yeah, totally. And and for my money, if you've got to show someone one Bruce Lee film, it's Fist of Fury all the way. Agree. Uh, I'll have to reevaluate after we watch uh, Way of the Dragon and Enter the Dragon. Spoilers, yeah, totally. But but I mean, yeah, I, I I would. I'm probably going to agree. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be many like hot takes when it comes to this stuff, you know. So it's not. Yeah. I'm not worried about surprising it. And I mean, this is my favorite Bruce Lee film. Well, thank you so much for checking us out. If you like the show, then you can leave us a review. Whatever you're listening to this on, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Heroes the Number Three Podcasts on all three of them. And next week, we're going to continue on with our look at Bruce Lee movies with Way of the Dragon, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's this right. is also 1972. Uh, the Way of the Dragon was also released in the U.S., I believe, as Return of the Dragon. We can get into that <laughs> a little bit. And it's directed by Bruce Lee. And written by Bruce. Yeah. yeah. Slowly taking over more and more of the production. <laughs> Well, until next week, we're taking a look at The Way of the Dragon. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.